You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 17 weeks, 4 quarters, 60 minutes, and it all leads up to one. Winning Drive. Welcome back, everybody, to the Winning Drive podcast. I am Rita Hubbard, the NFL chick, co-host of Ravens Post Game Uncensored on 105.7 The Fan. And I'm Cordell Woodland, host of Shaking It Up Sports on 105.7 The Fan, as well as the station's beat beat reporter for the Baltimore Ravens. So the Ravens are now three and two and they have sole possession of first place right now in the AFC North. Good for them because hey, that two and two, it was a struggle, wasn't it? <laughs> it feels like we were going through some motions. But now I'm not saying all is right, Cordell. I'm just saying that it feels better when you come off of a win, obviously, as opposed to coming off of a loss, particularly when it's a division opponent, one that had a lot to say. This offseason in the Cincinnati uh, Cincinnati Bengals, um, you know, forgetting the fact that they played dudes that were literally probably lift drivers off the street when they were playing them this time last year. So let's start with some good things on offense. We saw Um, Ronnie Stanley obviously made a return. And I thought that he played exceptionally well. Now, I don't recall seeing him much in the fourth quarter, if at all, um, which, you know, led to people asking coach about whether it being a pitch count, which he didn't confirm that they were just trying to ease them back in. Um, Another person that we talked about in the previous podcast was JK Dobbins, who seems to start, you know, he's getting more acclimated um, into being in this offense as well, but he also um, has been given a pitch count because of the gruesomeness of his injury. I think that this is a way, this is how you're supposed to ease people in. I don't think you just put somebody in the game and keep them in for four quarters. I think that, that guys with those types of injuries that Stanley had, you know, in in his ankle. And then we find out that JK had numerous um, injuries in terms of his knee situation, I think that you just got to kind of ease them in before you give them, you know, maximum ability. So I thought, I thought that in this game, those two guys really played well this past Sunday. Oh, definitely. And, you know, I'll, I'll start with, uh, I guess I'll start with Stanley since it was his return, you know, play, he's out there for 22 snaps. Uh, mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, he was on a pitch count. 
And a couple of times, you know, we thought we figured out, okay, he's alternating series with Patrick McCarry, but there will be a couple of times when McCarry is going out there back-to-back series. Uh, so, you know, didn't really understand it at the time, but talking to Harbs after the fact, and even talking to him on Monday, uh, you know, he let it be known that they were, that was the plan going in. And I asked Harbs on Monday how long they feel like they're going to go with this uh, of Ronnie kind of alternating series. And, he kind of put the onus back on Stanley again, saying it's up to him, up to Stanley and the, the rest of the uh, training staff as far as what their plan is going to be for him. But it's clear they want to do as much as they possibly can to make sure they can get him on the field, but also keep him on the field. Yeah. Um, and sure, it it's weird. It's weird to see offensive linemen alternating or shuffling each, ser- each series is not usually what you're used to seeing, but it's, it's what the Ravens have to do right now. And any way they could get Ronnie Stanley on the field, I think is they have to try to do that. Uh, I thought he played well, though, in his 22 snaps. You could definitely see the difference between him and some of the other guys that have played left tackle for them this year. Not yeah. to say that the rest of those guys have been bad. I thought Makari played pretty well on Sunday yes. night as well. Agreed. Um, but I just think Stanley just brings – a different element that these guys don't. He's strong, he's powerful, he's athletic, he's agile. And watching him go out there and at times move to the second level, it, it, it was just what they need. He was a he was a brick wall over there at the left tackle spot in passing situations. That I, I just thought that that was a very good sign for him going forward. Now, J.K. Dobbins, on the other hand, somehow. I don't understand how, but Kenyon Drake outsnapped J.K. Dobbins on Sunday night. Kenyon Drake had 27 uh, plays to J.K. Dobbins' 26. Now, Dobbins was their leading rusher still with eight carries and 44 yards out of the backfield, their leading yeah. rusher. Uh, and that's a little over five yards a carry. So, you know, you'll take that uh, for sure. But Dobbins has shown a little frustration. He's liking tweets on Twitter yeah. of, of, you know, of like free Dobbins. And, you know, I, I understand how frustrating it could be, especially for a guy that's in his position where, you know, he's already in year three. J.K. Dobbins is, and he's not a first round pick, so there is no picking up his fifth year option. This this guy is, he's only got four years before the Ravens have to figure out what they want to do with him. And he's more than halfway past you know, his contract time right now. So he feels that sense of urgency. I think he still wants to show everybody that he can be that workhorse back that he hasn't really had the opportunity to show that he can be since he's been drafted to Baltimore. His first year, Mark Ingram's there. Second year, he's hurt. Third year, he's still working his way back from the injury from his second year. So I understand him having a sense of urgency and I appreciate it, but I think it's important for him to un- to look at the big picture. You know, I think that it's clear the Ravens like him. Uh, I think that they're trying to do their best to kind of protect him. And you watch J.K. Dobbins over these last three weeks, you can see he has gotten better and better each game. I think he's definitely trended in the right direction. And I think before we get to the end of the season, it'll be to the point to where they feel comfortable letting him go out there and be the main guy. But just right now, I don't I don't think that they felt like he's to that point. And it's nothing more difficult than thinking you're some, you're at point A, but the organization still thinks you're, you know, at point B or what have you. So 
uh, I, I think it it's just it just means J.K. has to remain patient, not get too caught up in his feelings. And I, I'm I'm saying it is easier said than done for sure. sure. But that, that's what he's got to do right now. Yeah, it, it appears that he's an emotional person. Again, I already mentioned via Twitter, this is the same guy that when Ian Rappaport mentioned that he was not probably going to start week one, he, you know, retweeted him and, and had this, you know, very um, emotional response to him. And I bet you I'll be ready and, and such. But um, guess what? He wasn't. He was an active week one. And so eventually when asked about it, you know, he said that the organization basically saved him from himself because as much as he wants to play, he probably wasn't ready to play. So if they knew what the right thing to do with you was then back in week one, why do you think that they don't know what the right thing for you to do is now? And that's the, that's the thing that I have. I think that liking tweets is childish. We've already done this with Lamar Jackson. Um, it's immature. You are, I understand that you're a young man. I get it. And I understand that you're frustrated that you want to get more carries, but finding out the extent of the injury to me says that the Ravens are making the right decision. And I think that, JK has to try to find some balance in saying, listen, I think that I'm a bit, I think that I'm ready to go full load, but then I also understand your situation and you're right. Yes. He, he is at, at, at close to where like may, maybe most guys at his stature would be getting contract extension talk. Well, he missed the whole year. There's right. nothing he can do about it. There's nothing you, me, JK, the Ravens can do about that. So this is really year two for him, quite frankly. Yes, it's year three that he's been in this league, but he missed the entire season due to a knee injury. So if you really want to maximize what your worth is, don't you want to be 100% healthy in doing that? And I think that, you know, once again, the Ravens are saving him from himself. And maybe in the long run, he's going to be like, y'all were right. But you have to be better at dealing with your emotions, talk to somebody offline, talk to your right. agent, talk to your coaches, talk to your friends, whatever. But liking tweets saying, get just get rid of JK because y'all not playing them or, you know, all of this other stuff is childish and you need to grow up. You need to grow up. You are a football player. If you want to be frustrated, go speak to somebody. But don't do that passive aggressiveness of liking tweets so everybody can see your likes and everybody can see, you know, how you've been speaking. I got a problem with young people in general doing this, though, Cordell. And, yes, this is very get-off-my-lawn-ish of me. But <laughs> my old ass is used to communicating the old-fashioned way, which is talking and speaking. I mean, I'm know against what I'm saying? people using social media as their diary anyway. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I don't like that. It's like you said, you know everybody can see what your like tweets are. Exactly. To to do that is kind of like, who cares? You know, it's like I I don't care if anybody I don't care if if my teammates see that I'm complaining about my carries after a win. You know, I, yeah. I don't care if my if my coaches, my, my GM, the fans, I don't care if they see it, you know, it's 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 kind of like that. And I don't I, again. I understand his frustration. He's a competitive guy. He wants Absolutely. to be out there. There's nothing wrong with that. That's good energy. You want yep. that, yep. but it's 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 all the extracurricular. It's the next step of going to social media and doing what he's doing. I think it's creating a storyline to the point to where we're sitting here talking about it. Yep. <laughs> I I don't I don't even want to necessarily even deal with that, but it's. Right. it's it's the hand that we're dealt right now, but um, I'm sure that somebody will say something to him about it and 
you know, when whenever he's asked about it, it'll, oh, I, you know, no big deal. Kind of same thing with Lamar. Or I, I just like to troll people. Sometimes that ain't the answer. And I, I think that's the case right now. I completely agree. And and it's really annoying. Um, I, I think that the Ravens are doing the right thing. Um, you see each week he's getting better. You see each week he's getting more carries. You see each week he's getting more snap counts. And so it's not like it's, go- you know, as long as there's no setbacks, he's going to get more snap counts. He's going to be in the game pretty much for the whole game. So I just think that it's a process that you just have to let happen because you don't want to re-injure yourself. You don't want to put yourself back into a situation where you, you know, nag something or, or, or whatever. And again, with Stanley, look, you know, I've been a person that look, get your, get out there, get out there and fight with your team. And I'm glad that he was able to do that. And you know, the funny thing about that is, is like, you know, you've heard people say like, I don't like how people have been trying to rush Stanley back. And and, and look, that's a fair thing to say, right? He is the only person that knows where his limits are. That being said, he looked really good. Yeah, he did. I don't feel bad for telling that man he needs to go back out there and play because guess what? He went out there and he played exceptionally well for this being his first start in over a year. And yes, I know that he was limited in his snap count as well, and they gave him a pitch count, but in the in action – I mean, and literally, they did like a, a, a montage on um, Sunday Night Football of Ronnie Stanley, mm-hmm. you know, and, and plays and coming back. He was really good, Cordell. So, yeah. you know, wow. At first I felt bad. I don't feel bad no more because that yeah. man was ready to play. Okay? <laughs> you could have played the week before in yeah. the Buffalo game. Even if it was for 10 snaps, you could have played a little bit. Yeah, I wonder how long this snap count situation is going to go on with Stanley. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I asked Harms about it, and he didn't—he he didn't make it sound like it's his plan. You know, he made it sound like it's a plan that was brought to him, and he's agreeing to it. I think he's yeah. just again—he's at the place where it's like, whatever I got to do to get this guy on the field, I'll do it. And this happens to be the way right now. How long this goes on, I don't know. Maybe his snaps will go up next week um, against the Giants, but at some point you're going to hope that within the next couple of weeks, we're going to see Ronnie Stanley as a full go out there. And like you, I I thought he looked fantastic out there. Uh, I thought he looked like the Ronnie that I used to see, to be honest, he, he was so strong. He, he, he didn't really have a, Oh, well, this is a, this is Ronnie's first game back type moment. Like he looked really good. Uh, So we'll see if he can kind of build on that. Um, but I, I think everybody is kind of just to the point now, again, like however we could get 79 on the field, we'll, we'll take it. Absolutely. And you already mentioned like Macari has played well in his absence. But look, at the end of the day, Ron, Ronnie Stanley is a, is the a, a very high paid left tackle for a reason. And, you know, he is the guy. He should always be the guy as long as he's healthy. And he's the best option that you have for this team. And it allows Makari to, you know, be in other roles that he's able to play in if he needs, if they need the depth. So, um, you know, you want your best players out there every time. And I'm sure if the Ravens really, look, if you ask them, I'm sure they would love Ronnie Stanley and J.K. Dobbins to be in full action and full swing, you know, 
going moving forward. But you have to be delicate about those types of guys in terms of the injuries that they had. So, you know, they're doing it the right way. And I just hope that J.K. understands that long term and has that conversation with his coaching staff and with his general manager. So then that way he doesn't have to pl play these games, liking these tweets um, because it's silly. OK, it's very silly and you need to grow up. And I know I said that like three times, but I don't care. Grow up. <laughs> Seriously. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right. If you are enjoying the Winning Drive podcast, make sure that you have subscribed. So every time that there is a new episode, you are able to get it as soon as it drops. All right, Cordell, you and I a couple of weeks ago really felt like this defense was not as bad as advertised. And I think that the past two weeks have shown that this defense is starting to, to find its way. Even with missing parts, you know, not being available like a Justin Houston, like a Tyus Bowser, um, you know, uh, you, you are going to miss uh, Marcus Williams for quite some time. Unfortunately, due to his wrist injury, he did go on IR. Um, but you do have a, a you do have depth in the secondary um, currently. So, you know, while the Ravens are still like bottom five in terms of yards allowed, they they're they're better in other areas. For instance, they are tied for first place in interceptions, something that we were not familiar with at all last year. Um, I believe you mentioned that they are is it seventeenth currently in run defense? Yeah. Okay, listen, it looks worse. <laughs> I can tell you that it looked worse than seventeenth. So that tells me that there's 15 teams worse than the Ravens in run defense. And honestly, I just think that this is just the beginning. I think that they'll find a way and they'll get better as the, as time goes on. You see JPP in his second um, week of action getting involved in this defense. And Marlon Humphrey, man, I, I can't say enough about the play of Marlon Humphrey thus far um, this, this season. He has played exceptionally well. Literally, you know, him, Marcus Peters, they found ways to keep Jamar Chase um, at bay. So I, we have both said this. We feel like that this defense is not as bad as you would like to think. Everybody wants Mike McDaniel fired. Everybody wants this guy fired. Everybody wants this guy fired. And I felt that that was all premature. This is a new defensive coordinator. They're new defensive players. All of those things have to come into play. Add to the fact 
caught out that most of these guys didn't even play in preseason. But for the first four weeks, you might as well say a lot of these teams are preseason teams. I mean, you know, teams that haven't had preseason reps together. So after your quarter, I think you can start really accounting for what these teams are going to be like moving forward. And if we're going by the first quarter with the last two games, they played two high powered offenses and they found ways to contain both of those offenses. I don't have anything bad to say about them right now. And basically I like when you and I are correct. When it comes <laughs> to certain things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's always a good, a good feeling. Uh, you know, and also, I want to point out, I was I was actually incorrect. They're 12th in rush defense. Which oh, excuse is me. Better. So we, let's right. move them up five slots. Right, right. even better. Um, and we didn't mention uh, our predictions for this past weekend. You know, I think we were on each, on opposite sides. I think you took the Bengals uh, to win on Sunday. Yes, what did I say? What you did wanted I say? them. I mean, I know you wanted them. I know you wanted to be wrong. I, That's, I, I said that, that was a re- reverse right. psychology thing. Right. And it so worked. I picked them because you picked the Bills last right. week and I picked the Ravens last week. So I flipped the script and said, since <laughs> I was wrong last week, I hope I'm wrong this week too. So I right. picked the Bills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that it ended up working out for the both of us. Uh, but yeah, I think this defense has definitely gotten better. Um the loss of Marcus Williams is going to be a huge blow. Can't yeah. can't deny that going yep. forward. We're going to have to see what see what they look like uh on the back end because he's been kind of that safety net for them. He he's yep. been that guy to to turn the ball over and uh be that center fielder to to show his range from sideline to sideline. Not having them is not having him is going to be a huge blow. There's no no doubt about it. Geno Stone to get put in there and I think it says something about how they feel about Kyle Hamilton right now. The fact that your 14th overall pick is not the guy that's sliding into that spot right now, but it'll be Geno Stone with the mix of Kyle Hamilton. We'll see what happens on that back end. I'm definitely concerned though going forward. Yes, you but should be. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, but right now, just sticking with the last, especially the last two games, yeah, this defense has stepped up, you know, going up against that Bills team, holding them to 23, you hold the Bengals to 17, you'll take it. Um, and I think that they're starting to figure something out on the defensive side of the ball. They're they're gelling a lot more now. Uh, guys are getting healthier. I think that's a big part of it. Marcus Peters, who barely practiced this past week, was out there playing a significant amount of snaps on Sunday night and making a huge impact on the game. Marlon Humphrey, again, you know, that you mentioned. He's another one that's, I think, getting healthier right now. That's that's what they need. They need those two guys to be what they've been so far, and that's one of the better cornerback duos in the NFL. Yep. Um, I think that as long as guys like Patrick Queen can continue to make the play, that he, you know, those type of plays that he made on Sunday night, especially the interception, you yep. want to minimize some of these missed tackles. But I think watching Patrick Queen out there, I think a lot of it, I'm not even going to say a lot of it, but some of it is fatigue. He plays a lot of snaps. He does. And he had a couple of times where, you know, he has his arm tackle moments, but I watch him get up and he's exhausted. He's, he's trotting to the sideline and just asking for a blow. And you look at his snap count, so far this season, he's played a lot of snaps. And, and to I be think- fair, 
to be fair, Cordell, not to cut you off, to be fair, this defense as a whole has played a lot of snaps, particularly in the second half of games mm-hmm. because the Ravens' offense has not – they've sputtered. And yep. they've had – honestly, they've had too many snaps in the second half, which a lot of times has played into the demise in their two losses, in my opinion. Oh, no doubt about it, you know, and, and that's, that's exactly right. The second half has not been kind to these guys. Uh, I think this week it was a little more – leveled out i should say uh but the Bengals definitely did out possess the ravens in the second half the Bengals had uh almost 16 minutes of time of possession in the second half to the ravens 14 so not terrible but it kind of goes with what you're saying that of how the defense is on the field a lot more in the second in the second half than they are uh in the first half in the first half it was reversed the ravens offense had the ball for almost 16 minutes, and the Bengals' offense was on the field for 14 minutes. So, yeah, um, the front line, we've seen guys like JPP have to play a lot of snaps. We've seen Justin Houston, before he got hurt, had to play a lot of snaps. So, yeah, you know, I think fatigue is a factor, and they don't have a lot of guys that they can trust specifically on that second level. Um, But adding A.J. Klein in there, maybe that'll help. Eventually, once Tyus Bowser gets back, that'll help. be able to level out the numbers a little bit more than what it is right now. But yeah, all things considered, look, they're not great at anything, but they do a lot of different things well enough. They turn the ball over. They're very great at that right now. Um, And they're, they're really good at just getting the job done. They're, They're defense right now. That's, you can't pinpoint anything that they do exceptionally well outside of the interceptions. Yeah, outside, outside of that. But other than that, it's like a defense. It's kind of like the Chiefs defense. It's like just be Wait good a minute enough now. I think that they are a little bit better win. than the Chiefs. I'm not saying that they're as bad as the Chiefs defense, but I think as the year goes on, they're going to have they're going to continue to have problems stopping teams. Their schedule does lighten up after the bye week right now. We'll see what happens. But I just feel like they're going to be a team that when you look at the stats, especially the defensive rankings, they're not going to wow you. But in the game, they'll do enough to keep you in the game. That's really all you can ask for nowadays, especially in the AFC. So are we calling this a bend but don't break, even though I hate cliches? Is this a bend but don't break? I'm I'm trying to avoid (laughs) calling it that. Yeah, it's hard, right? Because what else? How else do you explain what's going on here? Because they're not giving, like in the past couple weeks, they're not giving up a ton of yards. They, I think, they held um, Burrow to two hundred and seventeen total passing yards. I'm checking that right now. Um, Yes, they they gave uh, Burrow two hundred and seventeen yards. You know, look, Jamar Chase. Had no touchdowns. He's you know seven receptions for fifty yards. Hayden Hurst was the one that they had to go to because they right. literally took um, Jamar Chase out the game the week before. They gave look Josh Allen two hundred and thirteen yards. So listen, I, you know it's it's. I know we want to keep harping about the Miami game, but we're three weeks we're three weeks removed from that at this at this point. They clearly have gotten better since then, and they've played, in my opinion, quarterbacks better than Tua since then and they've done nothing but play well since then so while they're not dominant like 
you know, these other defense. And I was going to say the Steelers defense, but then they just gave up 38 points yeah, to Buffalo. So that ain't it. DJ um, Watt not being there is, is really a big. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. No pass rush. The pass, lack of pass rush is hurting them badly. But, you know, it, they're not they're not one of these other defenses that are playing well that we can think of. But ultimately, they're they are playing well. They are they're playing there in the moment right now. They're playing good football. Now, you're right. I don't know how this is going to look without Marcus Williams down the stretch. The one good thing that makes me feel comfortable about this is knowing that at some point, Justin Houston and Tyus Bowser will return to help them from a pass rush perspective. So hopefully that helps them on the back end in the secondary. But, you know, I, I just feel like that this, this was always going to happen. I always felt like we were too hard on this defense too soon. And yes, do they need more personnel? Could they, could they afford to have more linebackers? All of these things. Yes, absolutely. But in the past couple of weeks, they have improved. And I think that that's a, a, a good thing to say. And I think that the Patrick Queen interception was good, not only for Patrick Queen, but for the Ravens defense, because quite frankly, Cordell, they've been throwing that pass to him the whole season and he's dropped them the whole. They've right. been challenging Queen all season long. You know why? Because they knew he wasn't. He, they knew. Clearly, the film must have told him he ain't his hands wasn't all that good, and yeah. so that they were going to pick on him, and and always try to attack his zone or his area. Having that pick after having two sure picks drop may make quarterbacks think a little bit differently now. If they found out he was on the jug machine all last week <laughs> and he's going to continue to be on the jug machine this week, maybe you second-guess yourself in throwing a ball in his area now. Yeah, I guess the tennis balls are helping, you know, him catching <laughs> these tennis balls at practice. Personally, I don't I don't know what the benefit of that is. I just, don't just continue to catch footballs. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what you have to catch in the game, catch the footballs. But, yeah, look. I've been kind of defending Patrick Queen all season, even go back to last season. I felt like I've defended him and I'm not saying that Patrick Queen is the next Ray Lewis. I'm just saying that Patrick Queen is good enough right now. Uh, you don't have a replacement for him. You use the first round pick on him. You got to give him every opportunity to show what he can do. And I think he has shown flashes of what he could do. I, I'd rather have Patrick Queen than not right now as opposed to what the alternative is, you know, and I'm sure that there are better options out there at some point, but they don't have those options at their disposal right now. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I do think that this defense continues to get good, get better. I like what I'm saying from Matabike on the front line. He's wrecked more havoc this year, I believe, than he has to this point in years yes. past. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely excited to see how he continues to to develop going forward, and I just I'm I, I am to I'm happy to see this team getting healthier as the year continues to go on. I want to see what they look like once they get Houston and Bowser back, and you know obviously losing Marcus Williams that's that's a step back in the health department. But uh, you know as long as everybody, I think it'll it may force other guys to kind of step up to amplify their game a little more without their main guy in the back. Uh, of this defense right now and that could that could be a good thing maybe this forces Kyle Hamilton to kind of step his game up and lock in and try to be more of the guy that they were hoping to get do uh, they have a choice do they have a choice 
I mean, they don't have a choice right now. <laughs> they don't. They don't. And Kyle Hamilton has a choice. He, you know, he has the the option to be better than what he's been. I mean, I don't, look. I, I've tried to be understanding and dare I say it, coddle. You know, uh, uh, the rook. But at the end of the day, it's the NFL, man. We can't. Th- this game does not slow. This this train isn't going to slow down and wait for him. He's got to jump on board. They need him to be better than what he's been, especially going forward now with Marcus Williams hurt. They need Kyle Hamilton to be the first rounder that they drafted him to be. And so far he has not been that. And I've given him, I've run out of excuses. I've run out of excuses for him. Uh, At this point now, he's got to step up. I think everybody wants to see him step up. And I don't think it's from a lack of want to. I think he wants to be better. I think he honestly tries. I do. But he's got to try harder or yeah. try less. You know, they say sometimes when you're trying too hard, that that's usually a, to your detriment. So maybe try less. I don't know. Do something. <laughs> Do something. I'm all for thinking outside the box uh, right now. But Kyle Hamilton has got to start to show flashes right now uh, because Pepe Williams looks like the best defensive defensive player from the Ravens draft class this year. And that's not yep. a knock on Pepe Williams. I think he's been outstanding. I've been yep. a fan of his since day one. But I need Kyle Hamilton to step his game up a lot. I completely agree. And, and it's time. It's time, young grasshopper, because they need you. They need. They have a depth issue at this point, and they need you to come out of whatever it is that you're, you're in and find a way to help this football team because – you know, they, they really need you. And as a first round draft pick, you really need to be prepared um, to help your teammates out in that regard. All right, guys, make sure that you are subscribed to the winning drive podcast. Uh, We will be dropping three episodes each week. So make sure that if you subscribe, we will have new content for you all week long. All right. I think that people are enamored with Devin Duvernay. And rightfully so, right? I mean, he's always shown flashes. I followed him at Texas, thought he was a really good wide receiver. Um, and and when he first came to the Ravens, I really didn't feel like he utilized him the way that they should have. Somehow, some way, he found his place on special teams where we know how that goes. He became an all-pro. Um, more so this year, because of lack of depth, they have to use Duvernay a little bit more and um, – use him in wide receiver situations, which has been completely beneficial to the Ravens. I think I said that I thought that Duvernay, in one of our um, segments that we had about bold predictions, I think I said that my bold prediction would be Duvernay would lead the team in touchdowns, right? And obviously Mark Andrews isn't going nowhere. He's still here. So that could definitely be in jeopardy. (laughs) However, uh, Duvernay has been exceptional. And whatever role that Greg Roman puts him in, um, the Ravens have been using him in a similar style, uh, like Debo using him in gadget plays, run plays, pass plays, you know, whatever plays. And he's been really good in doing those things. Uh, He had three rushes for 24 yards. He had in, in Sunday's game. I'm sorry. He had five receptions for 54 yards. So, you know, he that's close to, it's what, over 75 yards or 78 yards or something. I mean, 98 yards. Excuse my math today. <laughs> no, I was right. That. 78. We don't do math on this show. I was, I'm sorry. I'm good at math now. 78 yards. I'm sorry. That's 78 yards. So, 
listen, I, you know, no touchdown. He, he missed them deep. Lamar did um, in the game, uh, and he was open. But ultimately, you know, Devin Duvernay is all that you can ask for, particularly in a situation where you don't have your number one guy in Rashad Bateman. Definitely. Look, Duvernay showed – you know, the full extent of what he's capable of doing, I think, on Sunday night. And that's with still not enough touches for my liking, to be honest with you. Uh, he had his career high with five catches in that game. It's got to – I mean, and I don't think it's on lack of him. Some of it is because he, he his route running is an issue. And I've talked about that dating all the way back to training camp. He's not the best route runner. He has speed. He has the quickness to get away from guys at times but his route running does leave much to be desired, uh, at least on a consistent basis. Now, he has spectacular hands. I mean, his hands are phenomenal. He can, you know, him being an all-pro returner means that he is a playmaker with the ball in his hands, and you see that when they are able to get him the ball quickly on this offense. Um, I want to see more Devin DuVernay. I said going into this – I said after the game uh, – after our post-game episode, I don't want what happened Sunday night of them trying to find unique ways to get the ball in Devin DuVernay's hands. I don't want that to be just a one-off just because Rashad Bateman wasn't out there. No, that should be an every-week situation. You don't have a stable of backs that you can consistently trust. Putting Devin DuVernay back there a couple of times, I'm not saying do it as much as the Niners do it with Debo because I don't think Devin DuVernay is built the same way that Debo, Debo Samuel is. Debo right. Samuel is a he, he's a he's an aggressive runner. He you is. Know, he, he, yes. he, can, he can kind of take on that type of contact throughout the game. I don't know if that's necessarily what Duvernay can or wants to do. Uh, but getting him the ball in, in a variety of different ways, I think, only helps this offense. It forces the defense to be honest. They can't just lock in on 89. They can't just lock in on seven. You know, they have to they have to value everybody that's on the field right now. And look, I think everybody's for the last couple of years, we've all been asking for Devin DuVernay to get more opportunities. And finally he's getting them and he's doing something with them. He's making us all look smarter than we probably really are. And I, I think it's important for the Ravens to keep going with that and not, not really put him in a box to where they felt like, he can only do a one or two certain things. I think that this is a guy that could kind of be a Swiss army knife in this offense and they need to use him as such. Yeah, I completely agree. And and so this is also Devin DuVernay's third um, season with the Ravens mm -hmm. drafted in the third round of the 2020 draft. So, you know, listen, we're at year three at this, this is around the time, you know, there's no um, fifth year, uh, option for guys outside of the first round. So if you are the Ravens, do you start to look in a situation where you would extend Devin DuVernay now? That way you don't have to worry about after the season, because you already got to deal with the Lamar Jackson situation right. after the season as well. Is that something that you would think you would be interested in um, looking into if you are Eric DaCosta? Well, he if he did get an extension, he would be on a very short list of Ravens wide receivers that were drafted and given a second. <laughs> um, I can't think of any. Of the, I know that they did try to give Torrey Smith an extension. Right. And obviously he left and went to San Francisco. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I I can't think of any off the top of my head, quite frankly, that. 
received extensions. Not me. <laughs> I, I can't. I, I'm. I'm not even going to sit here and pretend like I know off the top of my head who those guys are. But I know that list is extremely short. Am I ready to give Devin Duvernay an extension? That's a big question. Look, he's an all-pro returner. You want that on your team. So you know what you're getting in that instance. You know you know how dangerous of a guy he is in the special teams department, and that's not overstated. He's already returned one kickoff for a touchdown this year. He's had other good returns on, the, on punt returns as well. Yep offensively he's shown flashes of what he can do of how how great his hands are how you know you may not call you may not call his number a ton but when you do call his number he's there Devin Duvernay this year 17 catches on 20 targets three touchdowns that's pretty good yeah that's a guy that is clearly there when you need him to be there I need him to get more targets but I'll take it I wouldn't mind giving Devin Duvernay an extension right now. I think he's well-deserved. I, I, I think that he's earned right. money right now. And if I'm Eric DaCosta, I'm on the phone with his agent and saying, look, how can we get this done now? Because honestly, do it now. Because uh, yesterday's price and the day's price. And if you want him to be an intricate part of this offense and he continues to get better, the money is going to continue to go up. It's not going to get cheaper. It's, and right now, this is a this. I, I think this is a time where they can get a kind of a bargain if they absolutely if speak, if yep. he, you know before he has that whole year under his belt as the number two guy in this offense. You know, and who knows what his numbers are going to look like throughout the rest of the year? Who knows what he's going to be able to do for the rest of this year? But if he's able to get another All Pro return, you know, for back to back year. You know that's that's that that number is going to go up. So yep. I think right now, it's it was is is low. It's a low maintenance type of deal. I'm not saying that they'll get them for nothing, but it's not going to be a, a substantial amount that we're looking at. Obviously, for like guys like Lamar or even what the, Devin Duvernay may ask for at the end of the season, or you know it may not even creep up to that. So yeah, I'm. I'm not against getting a uh, a deal done with Devin Duvernay. I don't I don't think it'll hurt the team's cap or anything like that. I think this is a deal that makes sense. Uh, you you got to try to retain some of your guys, you Absolutely. know, from some of these last draft these last few draft classes. And these draft classes haven't been great, without a doubt. But it's it'll be good to see, you know, one of the bright spots from these draft classes and Devin Duvernay being able to be retained by the team. Completely agree. And I, I just think that that's something that the Ravens have to do now. And honestly, look, I believe that the cap is is it's only a thing if you want it to be. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is my it's Ooh. always been my moniker. Yeah. It is only a thing if you want it to be. Get that young man signed now. That's that way you don't have to worry about two potential big signings in the offseason because you still have to worry about what you're going to do with Lamar. And then if you if you give Lamar one of his better weapons, that gives you a better opportunity to resign your quarterback. I, I just feel like it's a win-win situation in that regard. So, you know, if I'm the Ravens, I'm absolutely looking into um, DuVernay getting his, his due because I think he's earned it thus far. I think he's done nothing but be a great teammate and competitor for this team. And, and, and even though I could end up being wrong, and Mark Andrews could still end up 
you know, uh, being the touchdown leader on this team, I think Duvernay is second. I feel like, you know, he's a guy that is really hard to cover. He, I mean, he gets passes that are in very tight situations. Um, and, and not many guys go up for it like that. So you got to do what you got to do. And, and, and you do make a valid point. I really can't think of anybody that they've extended from a wide receiver perspective that they've drafted. So I mean, there hasn't been much to even want to extend. Yeah, you know, I agree. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree. Just so do it. History. Yeah. Just, I, I'm, I'm all, I'm all for it. You know, like I said, it's not going to break the bank. It should be something that's fairly team friendly, I would imagine. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think it's a no brainer. I completely agree with that. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Winning Drive on Friday. We will start to preview the New York football giants. And um, look, Daniel Jones is inconsistent as he is. He's playing decent i don't know who these guys are that he's throwing the football to and i guess we'll talk about that yeah. um in friday's episode obviously the, the the biggest issue is saquon barkley and finding a way to uh maintain him but you saying that the ravens are ranked 12th in rush defense gives me a glimpse of hope a little bit a little, a little. i'm trying to i'm trying just a little bit of hope. So we'll talk more about what to expect um, as the Ravens go back to the Meadowlands for the second time this season and play the four and one Giants. Maybe one of the worst four and one Giants, uh, worst four and one teams I've seen in quite a while. But hey, four and one is four and one, and I would take it any day, okay? Because mm. I'd rather win ugly than lose pretty, and that's the amen. Point. <laughs> so thank you everyone for listening to Winning Drive. We'll be back on Friday from Cordell to me. This is Winning Drive. Mm-hmm.